Good evening, Emma. How are you? Good evening, who? Emma. Why have you called her Emma? What do you mean? All oh, right. I thought you meant, I'm, I thought you meant the Zoom person who says <laughs> recording in progress. I thought you meant she uh, you named her. I thought you'd give her a name. Thought, yeah. I thought you'd just silently give that woman a name. No, she's more of a without telling me. What do you reckon her name? What's a very American? Brenda. That's not American, is it? It is. Brenda is an American name. Brenda. Janice. Janice. Is it? I'm just thinking of friends. Yeah, Janice. (laughs) That's that's the ones with the annoying laugh, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what's her name then? We'll call her Janice. All right. Uh, but anyway, who is she saying hello to, Emma? Emma. Emma. All right. Emma. Ah, Emma. 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 But you've been sarcastic because I haven't been on. No, Emma. I'm being honest. I'm just being stupid, really. I'm not gonna lie. She's being an idiot. Um, but I genuinely thought you named the woman on Zoom. Um, but anyway, this has gone on far too long. It has, yeah. <sighs> right then. How do you go about setting goals in a monthly review for pairs coaching separately in the same meeting or together? Um, Oh, I would do them separately. I would do them separately. Get to know them separately from a goal setting perspective, because you'll find they'll probably open up a little bit more on their own. Um, And then a decent little question at the end is um, like, how do you want to be, create how do you want to create accountability for these goals and they might then turn around and go actually it'll be good to kind of tell someone else and they might end up telling each other and kind of make a bit of commitment together and so on so it's a good way of going about it whenever i've done it in the past so on their own and then give them the option then to to share them with each other um this is a good question this by the way it sounds so simple and basic but this is a good question how can I help a client value my service? Mm. Oh. Okay, so <clears throat> okay, where should we start with this? First question I would ask is what may lead you to believe they don't value the service? And what elements of the service do you think they don't value? That's the first thing. And the reason why I say this is because of our expectations for our clients sometimes is way higher than where they're actually at. So where I'm leading that to is I would first of all find out, instead of assuming or having that perception potentially from potentially sometimes lack of feedback from clients, um, I would seek to understand that from that from that particular client so um and it doesn't have to be kind of a survey but what i would probably do is something similar to it doesn't have to be exactly but something similar to the accountability doc and for people who haven't seen that or know what it is yet it's basically you have four very simple questions that you can adapt for the client and for the market you you serve where it's basically kind of you rate them how adherent they are on the different elements of your service from 
face-to-face coaching to training away from you to nutrition adherence, so forth and so forth. So you kind of mark them down on a right well, on a face-to-face perspective. They always turn up on time. They never really miss a session. So that would be a three, which is, you know, 100% adherent. Two would be, you know, every month they may miss one, um, one or two. And a one would be they're really shocking. It's almost the point where I'm considering getting rid of them, so to speak, right? So you rate them in those in in the elements of your service. And then what really is crucial, I think, is that you then give them the same questions and get them to rate themselves. Um, The reason for that is because you can kind of see from their perspective how well they feel they are doing in those different areas. And then you can almost cross-reference that with how you feel they're doing. And crucially, that opens up a conversation on why do you think that and so forth and so forth. And you can start to build out the value behind the service. Now, that is not for you to sit there and justify and sell and um, convince, but it's more getting them to identify some of the issues they're having, the challenges they're facing, and then essentially you matching with them the elements of your service that will solve that problem, but in a non-directive way, so to speak. So that's how I go. That's how I would start to build out and help a client see the value of the service. Mm-hmm. Anything you add? Uh, and the only thing that I would add is that your hoodie looks like you are wearing sheeps. Well, it, it's I, literally... You look like a fucking sheep. You actually look like a sheep. Please don't take a photo of this. I actually bought... You bought a sheep plover. No, to put the hood back up. The warmest thing... Put the hood back up. Put the hood back up so you look like a fucking sheep again. Because you really look like a sheep. Because you bought... I think I'm a sheep. Why has he just disappeared to him? Is he taking it off? I thought thought I'd give him a complex blessing. Uh, anyway, get back to the question, please. I had a question. Why do you look like a sheep? That was the fucking well, question. Because I'm wearing a sheep-esque type jumper. Well, I mean, what? What? I mean, what? What other answer do you want? You better not go to Wales in that. What other? What other? What other answer do you want? It's huh? a bit of a stupid question if you, if you think about it. Why do you look like a sheep? Well, I'm wearing a woolly jumper. Oh, do you want to say that joke again? You better not go to Wales in that. Oh, come that on. That was a joke. Fucking hell. Oh, Tell you what, I'm wasted. This comedy is fucking, fucking wasted on yourself. You are. Next question. Come on. Have you got anything to add? No, fuck all. Okay. Jesus. What are your best tips to get lots of client transformations? Right. <laughs> The first tip is if that is something that you want to focus on and be known for, then your marketing, in my opinion, should shout and scream that. So essentially, people come to you with that in mind alone, that they're coming to someone who is going to get them a transformation. Their expectations are they're going to get from A to B in a decent time frame, and they're going to change body composition in a fairly extreme rate, right? So that'd be my first point is if that's going to be your main message, improve the way you deliver your marketing if you need to. So the people that come to you uh, have them expectations that they're going to change. Now, 
apart from that, the principles of coaching, where I stand with it, I remain the same. You understand the person. You're relentless in understanding the person within your onboarding process, and you get to know them that well. Um, that there's a high level of trust. Yes, you understand their expectations, but you also can understand what they're up against, their environments, their habits, their behaviours, their training age, their confidence, their levels of self-efficacy. Like you understand everything, obviously. So you can give them a, you can prescribe the right and relevant service, meaning that the transformation that they are wanting to achieve and you're wanting to achieve with them is in the right time frame with a program that they can adhere to. Um, so the principles of coaching would remain the same, whether it's a transformation or not, in my opinion. Um, so the best tips to do that is make sure that you understand them, you understand everything that they're up against, and you build a program and service to get them that transformation, but in the relevant time frame with the relevant program and the relevant service. Nothing really changes for me from that side of things. Um, yeah, so they'd be my best tips, like improve your marketing and make sure that, uh, and it's genuinely no different from coaching in any other angle. The difference is, is that I'm going to make an assumption here that you're looking elsewhere, uh, other coaches and going, right, well, they're getting loads of transformations. How can I do that? The majority of other coaches that probably you're comparing yourself to, if you are doing, a lot of the time do not understand the client well enough because it's been a quick transition into the business. They've dictated a high deficit, a high output. They've got them doing a hell of a lot of cardio, all of that type of stuff to get them to achieve that transformation in a short period of time frame. And some people might be fine with that, but most people cannot adhere to it and therefore drop off or struggle and so on. So all I would say is my best tips is make sure that your marketing's bang on in terms of the expectations of people coming to you. Your onboarding gathers the right understanding about someone so you can prescribe the right and relevant service. And then within your business, um, my last point on this is that for transformations and for people who want to extreme, do extreme kind of body composition change in a short space of time, for the majority of people, you're going to have to make sure that within your business is a high level of accountability. Um, and how you create that is down to you. That would be my view and opinion. What would you say, Nick? yeah i think i would go back to one of the bigger biggest points really is it's those expectations more than anything um because look i mean what are your best tips for to get lots of client transformations well it's it's them adhering to you know when you talk about trans transformations you're probably talking about weight loss more so but um yeah it's how adherent the clients are and that will come through your marketing and that will come through you almost i think when it, it comes to like and when i say transformations i immediately think like an eight week 12 week six month transformation program people are buying so they're buying the end result um but with that you've got to be really incredibly clear on the expectation so it's not so i think this um flips around a little bit in regards to instead of matching the service to the person, you matching the person to the service. Um, that's not to say you can't get great transformations. I mean, obviously you can get amazing transformations without selling that and the front end. Um, but it really depends on, 
yeah, the expectations you kind of set and and how you go about it with people. Yeah, because I mean, look, I mean, getting transformations, it's just you work from the principles. I mean, that that's about as simple as that. The easiest route to get lots of client transformations is to tell people exactly what they need to do and basically force a level of accountability onto them so they adhere to it, but accept that it'll be for a short space of time only, in most cases, right? That's the easiest route to get lots of client transformations. Um, but for me, like, and again, I've done that. I did that for five, six years. Um, and I wasn't then comfortable on the back end of that when I seen someone six months down the line and they piled that weight back on. Um, and that, that helped me change my whole kind of philosophy around in and around coaching and what I wanted to stand for and everything, because I just didn't think it was right. Like the majority of coaches will shout and scream about how shit, let's say Weight Watchers, Slimming World is and other products and services and all of that, because people pile the weight back on, it's restrictive and all of that. But a hell of a lot of transformation coaches create exactly the same environment for most people and they just pile that weight back on and i did that for about three or four years um as a coach and looking back it it makes me cringe slightly at the dictated style that i, I delivered so do i feel that you can get lots of client transformations with that kind of non-directive pull style that coaching style that understanding them and being realistic and delivering a service that meets their needs and fits into their life one million percent yeah and i think that's the only way to go about it these days in my opinion Next question, please. Um, oh, no, it's my question. We sell results. Do you think it's important? Very similar question. Do you think it's important to sell a monthly online coaching service as a program with an end date? Example, three to six month program so that the client has an end date to aim for. Then there would be an option to continue if the client wanted and needed. Do I think it's important to have for them to have an aim and a focus, yes, incredibly important. Um, do I think it's, I guess it's the way you just present it more than anything. Um, yeah, I guess it, you know, it's like the minimum terms people sign up for. So um, would I word it as an end date? No, I wouldn't. Um, would I show them the roadmap of what to expect over the next three to six months and what would affect results along the road? Similar to what we said previously, um, yes, I would. Um, so do I think it's important? Yes, but it just I think it depends on the way you present that on the front end uh, more so. So yes, essentially. Let's dig into that a little bit. Okay, let's. <laughs> um, the reason why i say that is because them two questions were pretty similar and the way we answer that if no one's in the academy of like mm, i don't really get it so when we start to say prescribing to the need of the client and then obviously delivering a service that meets their needs and wants in the time frame that's realistic and achievable and all that type of stuff what do you give an example say that again fucking wanker you absolute wanker. I thought you were going to answer your own question. No, I wasn't. I was asking you your question. Um, when we say prescribing to the need of the client, creating a mapping out a journey, and that might be three, six months, 12 months or whatever, what would you consider? 
because someone listening to this would go, actually, you just said about that, about transformations and about making it, understanding them and packaging out a service that meets their needs. Now you're saying the same again here, but you are saying an end date. So what do you actually mean? How can you? Position- I think it comes down to different services that you offer, essentially. So if I am working with someone one on one to one and I'm offering a bespoke service and obviously with more of a bespoke service it comes more time you invest into the person for designing that service for the person sitting in front of you so to speak and so that would be a higher premium in my opinion on what you would charge because it's more time invested into that person versus almost like i don't i'm not going to i don't want to call it cookie cutter because obviously you offering a transformation can be slightly personalized, but it's obviously a framework that you work from. Everybody signs up for a certain amount of time. There's an end date. Um, they go through a certain pattern of procedures, et cetera. So I think when it comes to, I think when it comes to that, you know, it depends on what type of service you're offering. And so as an example, when, when someone, when you're offering that bespoke service that you're tailoring the program to well you need to the only way you're going to be able to tailor it is by understanding the person you and your only way you're going to understand the person is for them to go through a process to get to the point where you're prescribing the program that meets their wants needs and is going to give them what they want um and so off the back of that you would probably we would say like right you so you prescribe a minimum term where people can start to see and feel significant results but the big caveat to that is every month changes because even though like people are individuals so lifestyles change priorities change focus stress levels and so that's all going to affect how people are adherent to different things and adapt to different challenges and apply different things at different speeds so that might so that's where like things like the check-ins and the monthly reviews come in. So you're constantly monitoring that progression or regression. And so you can adapt the program moving forward. But it gives you time to work with that person, essentially. And I guess it comes off the back of, well, we could you could prescribe a program for someone that is going to deliver a fast transformation. But more often than not, the protocols are very extreme that people can't adhere to that long term, which is why we see that kind of regression backwards a lot of the time. And so, in my opinion, when you're prescribing a program to to meet the person's needs and wants, you're doing that to progressively ingrain those habits into people's lifestyle. So it's not a right go all out for six months and then drop off completely because it's unsustainable you're merging that into people's lifestyles yeah. spitting bars there won't you um yeah so say that again you fucking listen did you no um well done though thanks for no i listen i did listen um do you write it down as well Great. I hope you did. I don't need to write that down. I've long, I've gone through them harsh lessons. Um, yeah, and I think what's important to realise about that, when I take the piss on Instagram, I think I've actually started, remember the photo that I sent you on Saturday? The title of the the reel that I put was the, what was it? The cookie cutter cunt plan. Or something <laughs> like that. The, the cookie cutter cunt fest. That's what the title of the reel was. Um so I was writing about exactly this on Saturday um, to put into a post. Um, 
because there's too many coaches that are personal trainers out there that think that personalized coaching is 10,000 steps, checking Friday's programs on my app, my fitness pal, and then you're in a 20% deficit and this is how we're going to track it. Like, I thought that was personalized coaching. And I actually was, in my opinion at that point, was delivering a higher service and better quality coaching than the majority of PTs in the gym. And I was charging for that. But actually what Nick's just said is how it flexes, how we need to understand that actually 10,000 steps might not be that right for that person. That check-in might not be right for that person. There should maybe a specific focus that needs to be on that check-in like sleep because that's a contextual cue for their nutrition. Um, and my fitness pal might not be the right method for them. A lot of the time we just assume and package this, like Nick said before, a service uh, and fit a client into the service then a reverse. And the more we do that, the more difficult it is it's going to be to get adherence from people. And actually, the more we start to understand the person and prescribe what a person wants and needs, but understand them well enough to go, actually, this is the length of time that's going to achieve the results. And it's going to be this level of deficit. And actually, this is when it's going to change. That's complex, but behavior change is complex. Coaching is complex. People are complex. But most people in our industry think it's just as simple as packaging up this service that I've just turned around and said before and then charging for that and, and thinking that's good enough when it's fucking not. All right, Nick? Next Sam's, just, Sam's just added on. I think, I think I'm thinking from more of a sales and marketing of getting people results in three months with my program. If you have evidence of that, absolutely. Like if you have evidence of that and you can like absolutely say it, yeah, a million percent. So this is the this is the person who comes into the service. Um, these are the problems that they have. This is what they're usually up against in general. And this is what the results they get in this amount of time. Um, yeah, if you can describe that and you can absolutely market that a million percent. And I don't think there's any, like Nick said before, I don't think there's any thing wrong in having an endpoint or displaying or marketing an endpoint um it does set the expectations but then what you're doing then is still fitting that client to the program so you just got to be careful with it in my opinion from a coaching client-centered perspective um uh, when to know when I can go full rent, I don't feel confident to do so yet as I need to sort of marketing out for my goal, for my goals for next year. Weirdly, I was writing a post on this on Saturday as well. Um, so here's the points that I put down. So first of all, if you're thinking about it, I, I'll, in a lot of ways, I would just go for it and give yourself, obviously, the financial kind of security that you've got, I don't know, two, three months there to, to fall back on in terms of rent. Um, but I would just go for it because then nine times out of 10, it dials up pressure and you have to go out there and do the stuff that you wasn't potentially doing um, in a consistent way before you went on to rent. But my tips would be have at least three months metrics behind you to measure leads, inquiries, joiners, levers, and all of that. Just so you've got some traction of kind of some evidence that actually, if I do this, this is what it brings me in, in terms of leads, inquiries, conversations join us leave us and all of that um understand what you'll need to allow for the extra cost in terms of put the cost into your budget so you can break that down um, and in terms of how many people you would need so break that down into the people and service that you need um, to cover that cost you want to create an ideal week without them shifts within your commercial gym so you can start to have a bit of a vision of what that looks like 
for moving forward. Um, whether you're going to fill four hours of them, whether you're going to work a little bit more on business or in different projects, like I'd have a picture of that as well moving forward. Um, you potentially then, I would plan some maybe new ways of working in some of that time that you have back. So if you're not consistent at the moment in certain things like marketing, maybe you want to, I don't know, get some automation done on all of the admin or on business. Maybe you start to factor that into your ideal week. And then the only other two things that I would say is that make sure that you've got a marketing plan that doesn't rely on classes and inductions. Cause a lot of PTs do that when they're on shifts, which is understandable. I would do the same, but make sure you've got a marketing plan that doesn't rely on them. Um, yeah, and as I said at the start, take the risk. It'll kick you up the ass to do more of the things you should be doing anyway. That would be my advice. Anything you would add, Nick? Mm. Nope. I think all that, I would have said all those. And I think for knowing who this is, I think the, the metrics is something very really aware of that she's working on. So I think you're focusing on the right things. The metrics will give you the biggest amount of confidence because you know if they're low, in terms of um, conversations, leads, inquiries, and stuff like that, then you know, obviously, you need to act on them. And then if you act on them and it has a spike, you've then got confidence and evidence that if you do that moving forward, you're going to get clients from it and, and so on. So, so yeah, hopefully that helps. The last question, I think, this is, is it? What's the best way to dig into exploring clients' values, both one-to-one -one and small group clients? like it. Like it. Um, the ideas that come straight into my head is I would I would do it as a form of a bit of a questionnaire, I think. Only because when you you don't want like if you do it in the group, let's say like a Facebook group or like you're talking to them. I think it, like us, when we've gone through values with you guys and we go through, et cetera, you need time to think about it. And also you don't want to then be led by someone who goes, oh, yeah, that's important to me. And they go, well, I can't really think of anything. So, yeah, that's important. You know what I mean? It, as soon as someone puts their hand up for something, it breaks the ice and people tend to follow the leader. So I think the way that I probably do it is depending on what you want to gain out of it, because you can go really in depth with this, I would maybe start to uh, list a bunch of values down. And so as an example, when I've gone through values myself, I've had like a chart where, or table, sorry, and where it's gone absolutely non-important all the way up to uh, the most important and everything in between. And as those values come in, as I look at those values, I then place them in these and start to segment and rate them from absolutely not important to me whatsoever to the most important. And so now you start to segment these things out into, into what was important. And then what I would say is that when you get the very, the most important column, then you ask them to pick their top three as an example. Um, that's how I've, cause it's hard cause there's like hundreds of values that you can choose from. So I would, um, that's how I'd probably go about it and give them context of why that is as well. Why do you, why do you want 
to know yourself and what you want them to take away from it as well. So yeah, I would probably do it like that. It's probably going to be the easiest way. Um, just trying to think how you could probably do that. You know, one of the best questions and the biggest questions that normally get a decent response is like, what are the biggest or most important things to you? Like, what's really important to you? And that normally brings out a decent response from someone to be like family and then you can dig into that in what way hobbies interests who they are as a person and yeah and what's important to them that they get from other people um having a free-flowing conversation about that is normally really really good um like sometimes we go on calls don't we? we've never really met someone before and last like who are you and they're like just ex- describe who you are and what's important to you and stuff like that. And I think a lot of people sit there and think, Jesus Christ, it's an interview, but we genuinely want to understand a little bit more. Um, but that then brings out snippets. But other than that, I think that questionnaire is a great shout or some kind of like a few questions on a survey or something like that. Because you mm-hmm. probably, if you've got a similar demographic, you'll probably come across a pretty decent theme as well. Some people. Yeah. I think maybe get, narrow it down to maybe the like the top, 20 as an example because there's hundreds of values top 20 values you think people will resonate with um and then maybe just get them to literally score that from like i said and that won't take long going i know it's 20 different questions but it's a quick rating isn't it so it's not like they have to write anything in or that's how probably i would go about it and for people listening I'm going to ask you another question on the back of that. Why do you think that's important for a coach to ask? Because I think it's really important. I never would have thought that years of coaching. Why do you think it's important for a coach to know that from a client perspective? Why? Because generally people, um, their people's actions are directly aligned with their values. And so if you're like, example, starting to, you're thinking, right, why is this, why is this person not doing this? It's, you know, it's easy. You just got to do that. Or they're just not committed, all that kind of stuff. Well, their values might be pulling them away from doing that because something's more important to them at that point. So if you don't understand that, then it's going to be hard for you to relate to that person and and have have any type of empathy with what they're going through and then then adjust kind of how you go about things. And also I think when, I think we, I can't remember where this quote was from or where we, but a lot of the time we judge our clients based on their behaviour and not the person they are. And that can lead you down a road of resentment towards people as well, because you expect and want more for people and you can start to get frustrated. And again, that starts to that starts to widen the gap between you and your clients versus bringing the gap smaller and smaller. So you've got a good relationship of, to be able to coach from. Just try to keep this quote in my mind. I just took that quote and then turned it into something of my own. I'm going to put it on Instagram. And claim it as mine. Just letting you know. That's nine percent of your fears, isn't it? <laughs> 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 Any more questions? Because I think there was quite, there's quite a few been on tonight. I don't know if they're still there. Any more questions going, Emma? If you're still there, does that help? Um, and for anyone listening back to the podcast, we're live on our Facebook group. That's why I'm asking. And it's not Emma. Well, I don't know. Well, it might be in the no, who knows? I mean. Uh, 
good, perfect. Emma, if you want to ping over any ideas, just drop us an email, mate, and we can go back and forth a little bit. Good stuff, Sam. Right, I think we're all good. Sam. Questions this week. Yeah. Back in a bit. Good night, Anthony. And sheep. Twat. <laughs> <laughs>